In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Happy Feast of Epiphany. Good morning. So the word epiphany means appearance or manifestation. Epiphany means appearance or manifestation. And it refers in Christianity to God's manifestation of Himself, not just to a few people, but to the whole world. One of the things I want you to think about as we study is how is Epiphany different from Christmas? The season of Epiphany will take us to Lent over these next few weeks, and it includes three stories of God's manifesting Himself in Jesus to the rest of the world. The first story is the one we read today from Matthew's Gospel, probably the most well-known and the most associated with Epiphany. It's the story of the three wise men following the star. Second story of Epiphany, God manifesting His identity in Jesus to the world, is the baptism of Christ. That's next week. Come back next week, baptism of Christ. This is where God the Father's voice rings out over Jesus as He comes up out of the waters. You are my Son, the Beloved, in you I am well pleased. Third story that makes up the season of Epiphany, a whole season where we think about God manifesting Himself not just to a few but to everybody, is the wedding at Cana. Why is that? Because it's in Jesus' first miracle that His divine identity is first glimpsed. So three stories that make up Epiphany, wise men, baptism of Christ, and wedding at Cana. Now, these stories that, that make up Epiphany, they're, they, they're not a tag-on to the gospel. Instead, they are an essential part of the Christian gospel. Let me say it this way. What we believe as Christians does not conclude, is not summed up at the manger of Jesus. No, it continues in the mission of Jesus. See, Epiphany comes after Christmas and it moves us from the manger to the mission, from the manifestation of God to the mission of God. Think about then how all the seasons, the last few weeks of church, sort of tie into this one story, the story of Advent waiting for God to manifest Himself, Christmas tide, the last 12 days, celebrating that God did manifest Himself, now Epiphany. What do we do now that the King is here, right? Here's what I want you to know about, about Epiphany. What do we do with the King who's here? We let Him find us. He wants to find you. He wants to find you. Let that sink in. If he sent three wise men, that is to say three outsiders from the east, a star, let me say it this way, if he rearranged the cosmos to let three men who did not really belong to God's people, they were Gentiles, if he sent a star to bring those guys to Jesus, he wants to find you. And He wants us to lead everybody else to Him. The meaning of epiphany. Where do we see this theme of mission? Mission, from manger to mission in Matthew's gospel account. Take out your Scripture insert. 
find Matthew 2 and follow along, two places that we see the theme of mission in our Epiphany Gospel. First, we see it in the star. We see it in the star, the miraculous star that led three men to Jesus. Listen, this story of God using a star, using nature, or anything for that matter, to lead people to Himself, it's not, it's not a one-off thing in the, in the Bible's story. This happens all over the pages of Scripture from the beginning to the end. Think about it. Who did God, what did God use to bring a man named Jonah to Himself from the Old Testament? I'm guessing everybody knows this. Should we say it on the count of three? What did God use to, in nature to bring Jonah to Himself? One, two, three. A fish or a whale, we don't know, but you're correct. Everybody wins at the cathedral. Saul, who was persecuting God's people, was riding on an animal that God made and owned, a horse. And I guess God said, hey, horse, throw that man off the horse when I shine the light. In Job's life, you know Job, he suffered a great deal. It was that suffering that was his star. It was the horse that was Paul's star. It was the whale that was Jonah's star. I only bring this up because it's, I think it's so funny. I don't know if you will, but there's even a story in the Bible where God uses a donkey in the King James Version, an ass to do his bidding. I went to a Christian university. We wanted to have T-shirts printed. If God can use Balaam's ass, he can use yours. <laughs> when the dean isn't here, you don't know what's going to happen. So, <laughs> Friends, listen. The truth about the star, about the mission of God to make himself known to us has a very specific application, and it's this. What was or is God's star for you? Think about it. God has been or is drawing you. How do I know that? Because you're in church, right? He's drawing you. He's pursuing you. Whether it was a child or as an adult, what was God's star? What, what did He use in your life to bring you to Jesus? What did He use? Really give it some thought. At the very least, what I, what I hope sinks in is that the God of heaven and earth is coming after you. Like you matter to Him. He's pursued you. He's orchestrated your body being in this building right now. He loves you. Some of you, when you hear this, I'm aware, are, are thinking, what do you mean? God couldn't possibly want me. God's not thinking of me. He's not pursuing me. Based on my actions, the things that I've done, or just looking at the circumstances of my life, I'm looking at the sky. I don't see a star, Josh. And even if I could see it, I don't think, I don't believe that God wants to send me a star to help me to find Jesus. I don't really deserve it. If that's you, 
I'm so glad that you made the effort to come to church today because I get to tell you the good news of the gospel. God wants you. God wants you to meet his son, Jesus. God wants you to know the love that he, the maker of heaven and earth, has for you. One reason I can say that without a shadow of a doubt is because you're here. So the first place we see mission in our epiphany gospel is in that star. Now here's the second place. We see the theme of mission in the story of the wise men. Were they wise men, were they magi, or were they kings? Yes. That is to say, the scholars don't know. We don't, there's a lot of mystery around who these guys were. But here is what Matthew tells us, and here's what we know for sure from the reading. You'll see, Matthew says, these men were from the where? East. That's a code word for us today to say, these guys were in every way very different from Israel. They were not the norm. They were not the people you think God would appear to. They were outsiders. They were Gentiles, not Jews. They had a different worldview than Israel, different religion than the Jews. They were astrologers. They studied the stars. They were of a different political party in that they served the king of Persia. These are three men, here's what I want you to know, who would otherwise never have found the king of kings and lord of lords. God goes after them. William Temple, former Archbishop of Canterbury in the 40s, has this great quote, the church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not yet its members. The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. We're here for the wise men out there. This is why you got to digest the fact that God's come after you, because once you get that in your bones, then when you see a wise man, man or a woman, someone from the east, someone not from the cathedral, walking in the door, oh my goodness gracious, you want to take them to Jesus. Did you know that the name of our church on the books up in New York is not the Episcopal Church, it's actually the Domestic and Foreign Missionary Society. That's the name of our church, the Domestic and Foreign Missionary Society. Friends, the Christian gospel we proclaim, it doesn't end in the manger with God's appearance. That's just the beginning of the story. It reaches out in the life of Jesus to people all over the world in every culture, in every age group, in every line of work, in every socioeconomic status, in every relationship status, in every, as the Scriptures say, tribe, tongue, and nation, or as we pray in the prayer book, God's mission is that everyone might come within the reach of His saving embrace. This is God's saving embrace. This is God's saving embrace. So let me ask you, who are the wise men, wise women in our time, in our place, at the cathedral? Another way of asking this is, who are the least likely people around us in downtown Orlando to meet Jesus? And further question, and would that change? Would that change the way you think about our entire cathedral parish? 
like our buildings and our programs, our bulletins, our liturgy, our music and preaching, and kids' ministries. Yes, you say, Josh, it would make the sermon so much shorter if we thought about that. (laughs) Would it change the way you think about our whole parish to know that in the words of temple, we exist for those people out there who are not in here? You see, the call for us to tell our neighbors in downtown Orlando about Jesus and about church, it's not just cliche proselytization. It is part and parcel of the gospel of Jesus Christ as seen in the season of Epiphany when God shows up to the least likely of people, these three dudes from the East. Let me close with some specific ideas. Epiphany today invites us first to remember how God pursued and is pursuing you and me. Second, Epiphany invites us to make sure that every wise person that comes in that door, every guest, knows how and where to park. It's that simple. Because don't you want to know where to park when you go to somebody's house so that you feel welcome? Or do you want to just wander around into their backyard and stuff, right? Epiphany invites us to show people where to park. And when they get here, to help them feel welcomed and wanted, like we've actually been waiting for them to get here. Because you know what? We have been waiting. Like the Holy Family waited for the wise men to come, of course, you're going to be here because we have the Son of God in our midst. Of course, you'd bring him gifts. I'm so glad you're here. Epiphany invites us invites us to make every guest feel welcome who sits down in our pews and not make them feel weird when they stand and everybody kneels or whatever. Some of you have been here 50 years and you still don't know when to stand or kneel, right? <laughs> That's okay. That is not a prerequisite for being a Christian. It's, it's just a little bit of the hazing that goes on in Anglicanism. <laughs> Epiphany invites us to make sure that every guest know that their children over there in the kids' ministry will be ministered to and loved and kept safe and taught about Jesus. Epiphany invites us to ask the question, really, how can the cathedral be a church after God's own missionary heart? From our baptisms to our bathrooms, from our bulletins to our breakfasts, We just had it the first Sunday of the month in the Great Hall. We want everyone to know the life-changing reality that we have experienced, that God has come after us. And a thousand different stars, whatever your star is, to lead you to Jesus, and he wants to do that for them. Friends, this is the meaning and message of Epiphany. Amen.